This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. 234, Rob Breckenridge with you on a Thursday afternoon. Our number here, 403-974-TALK. Angela Cocott will be in with Calgary today following the 3 o'clock news. And we've got a few other things to get to before our time is up here. Uh, but this next conversation, I think, will be an interesting one. And uh, if you're into this conversation. There's a big conference taking place, kicks off tonight at the St. Louis Hotel in the East Village, runs through Saturday. Looking at the future of cities and cities adapting to the future, what that looks like. Uh, the keynote speaker at this event uh, is in studio with us. He is uh, Mick Cornett. He is the mayor of Oklahoma City. In fact, he's actually running for governor now uh, of Oklahoma. But certainly that city, uh, a very interesting uh, experience there and maybe one that we could uh, learn from. Mayor Cornett, great to have you with us here. Welcome Good to, to be program. here. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about uh, Oklahoma City, first of all, because I think it's maybe just a bit smaller than Calgary, but it's certainly a big city, uh, very low unemployment, high entrepreneurship rate, low taxes. Um, things seem to be going pretty well in your city. Yeah, we're very fortunate. We have a lot of highly educated 20-somethings moving to the city. Um, 25 years ago, we probably had the worst economy in the country. Now, arguably, uh, you know, you could argue we're amongst the best. So it's it's a rapid turnaround. And my predecessors did some incredible work, did a lot of the heavy lifting, and my 14 years as mayor here has been, you know, much of the results of their their hard work. So what do you attribute it to then? Well, it, we, we bottomed out. You know, very yeah. few cities ever get as bad as Oklahoma City got. We went through a lot of urban sprawl that was unsustainable. We went through the energy crisis of the 1980s. In fact, some would say it began in downtown Oklahoma City when the banks started failing. and 200 banks failed by the end of the 80s. And then we had the emotional strains of the bombing that took place downtown again in 1995. And so you take a generation that had been through the economic calamity and then through the emotional burden of, yeah. of uh, that large mass murder, and you have a city that had been through extraordinary things. And uh, a sense of unity emerged from all of that. Um, the economy started to turn around. We rebuilt our core, and and good things started to happen. And and uh, and you know, I I I think we're a we're a good study for other cities because I think there's this sense that if if we can do it, just about anybody else could. And you know, you you know, you go to Chicago and you see Millennium Park and you think, well, that's Chicago. <laughs> well, if Oklahoma City did it, I mean, every other city thinks, well, certainly we can do it if Oklahoma City could do it. So there are lessons to learn that I think people um, feel like that they can accomplish. Uh, how important is having that, that downtown core, a thriving downtown? Well, I, th I think that we've learned it's, it's immeasurable yeah. because you can't be a suburb of nothing. And Oklahoma City tried um, I don't think a downtown could be deader than Oklahoma City's was in 1990. And um, we had a, you know, an economic development effort that the company looked at us and just said, you know, your, your incentives are nice, but we're not coming. And, uh, and that kind of was the, you know, the, the, the nadir and the, uh, the opportunity for us to try and say, okay, no, we have to rebuild the core of the city. Yeah. And when it comes to attracting business and entrepreneurs, and I mean, all cities, all governments want to be able to do this. I know some like to pick and choose. It wouldn't be great to have company X or company Y or this sector or that sector. How did you approach it in Oklahoma City? Well, one step at a time. I mean, we, 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 we started with amenities, you know, uh, tourism type things like, um, like, you know, uh, canals where boats could go through an entertainment district, um, uh, we 
uh, built some canoe, kayak, and rowing facilities on our river. Uh, so we, we invested in, you know, in, in big items, sports arenas, baseball stadiums, and those types of things. Then um, we realized that people still weren't moving back if the schools didn't look better. So we rebuilt our entire inner city school system, all, yeah. se- all 75 buildings, built new or refurbished. And then we had to redo the grid because we had built this inner city street grid for cars. We hadn't built it for people. And that's really where, you know, where my part of the story comes in. And that is that you have to have a pedestrian friendly community. You can't just build a place where people want to go if they feel like they're at war with cars the moment they (laughs) arrive downtown. And so, you know, we, we now have become a very walkable pedestrian friendly community. Uh, even even out into the suburbs where it's where it's it's a lot more expensive to build sidewalks later. Yeah. You know, you, sh- you should build them on the front end, not the back end <laughs> like we're doing. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned arenas because this is a contentious issue in a lot of cities. Yeah. Getting an arena built, how to do that, the importance of having pro sports. I mean, getting an NBA team would have been big for Oklahoma City. But how do you approach that as a city when you got so many other things to prioritize? Well, we, in, in my case, I was trying to rebuild a brand. Uh, Oklahoma City's brand had been damaged by the bombing. It was damaged by a tornado that came through in 1999. And so it was, it was as if you, if you said the words Oklahoma City, that your next thought was that bombed-out building or the tornado that had ravaged yeah. the city. And I, you know, became a, you know, the mayor of a city, and you know, I have a kind of a background in media and advertising and public relations, and so, you know, we we cannot build an economy around a, a wounded brand, and so I started going to New York, trying to get the attention of the NBA and the NHL, and and was having a, you know some success, and eventually we wound up with the Thunder, and and the brand has turned around immeasurably. Um, you know, I th- Calgary, you know, for, for this generation, they've always had a team. Yeah. Well, we hadn't had a team. We know what it's like to be a minor league team. For over right. 100 years, we were a minor league city. And then instantly you become a major league city. Let me tell you, your peer cities are a different group when you have a major league sports team. And I, I'm, I know you have to take that for granted because you've always had one. You don't <laughs> right. really know what that feels like. But I'm telling you, it's, it's a lot harder to build industry, to attract Highly educated people with choices um, when you don't have that major league component. Yeah. And, like, I mean, when you talk about the bombing, it's true, right? When people hear Oklahoma City, they associate it with that. They remember that. I can picture vividly, you know, the image of the building, the holiday building, how awful that was. Because you need to remember that, right? You need to memorialize that and never mm-hmm. forget what happened. But as you say, you don't want the emotional baggage of dealing with that to, to hold back progress, right? So how do you find that balance? Well, we have an incredible memorial, and it is the most visited site in the state of Oklahoma. Um, and so, I mean, that's our way of trying to keep those memories alive. And and what I try to tell people is, you know, there, you know, when you have a really horrific event, you know, there's something about the human psyche that, that you, you say, I, I want to forget all about it. Well, we don't want to forget all about it. I mean, yeah. we, have, we have made that we remember because we choose to remember. Um, and, you know, we haven't let us define us. And in fact, you know, the, the, uh, the, the unity that was created through that economic collapse and then the, the bombing is really part of Oklahoma City's secret ingredient because, you know, people here don't, people in Oklahoma City are, are less likely to turn on each other because we've been through a lot. Well, that's true, right? And I mean, there's a lot of talk about uh, political violence and, and the culture right now and this this horrible incident this week, this congressman who was shot and, and hopefully he pulls through. I mean, do you, do you worry at times about political discourse? Well, it, it's turned ugly. It, you know, at the state capitol, we're going through, you know, similar animosity. 
And it's as if our politics just never stops. In other words, you know, politics has a place during campaigns, but the governing has to take over at some time. Yeah. We almost have seemed to have forgotten that there's a governing aspect that needs to have as little politics as possible if it's going to be handled correctly. You know, it's interesting because you're, you're a Republican, uh, and I mean, there's a lot of Republican governors. Maybe you'll be a, another one at some point, Republican president, Congress, et cetera. But there's not as many Republican big city mayors in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Why is that, do you think? Well, it's, you know, it, 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 um, most of your big East Coast cities in the United States have Democratic mayors. They have a strong urban core. They have um, a large minority population, and therefore they tend to vote. Um, you know, on the Democratic side. That's right. just, you know, in, in line with the demographics of the city. Our city is extremely large. It has sprawled out. We're over 600 square miles. Um, and, you know, half of that is probably developed. So th- when we talk suburbs in Oklahoma City, generally we're talking inside the city limits. So there, you know, the voting pool includes, you know, uh, a, a brass number of people of Hispanics and African-Americans and Asians. And, and Caucasians. So right. uh, I think that's part of the reason that we've we've had about half Democrats and half Republicans over the last 40 years. Right, because I, I think there, there, I mean, there's a Republican message there that can resonate, and, and you see it in Oklahoma City, a thriving city uh, where business is doing well and employment's low, taxes are low. I mean, so it's not as though you know Republicans are hostile to to having thriving urban centers. So is it about overcoming perception for for you in some well, ways? Well, you know, well we do have political capital. I mentioned my predecessors earlier, and the city has a reputation of doing what it says it's going to do. So when we go to them for a temporary tax, you know, that we're going to build something or do something with, yeah. they have you know developed the confidence that we're actually going to do what we said. Um, we, we run a very efficient, tight ship. We've had an absence of scandal for several decades. And so, you know, there's just, there's a confidence in city government that didn't exist 30 years ago. Um, and I, so I think that's, that's critical. We also don't have, you know, large um, pension debts. Uh, we have a really high credit rating, so low interest rates when we borrow money. And so, you know, we've, we've, just, we've just had good management and uh, and I and I think all that plays a part. It's almost as if our citizens have figured out the type of government they like and the type they don't like. Yeah, and for sure. and government's good at building things, and that's really what Oklahoma City has done. We 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 build public buildings, right? And the private sector reacts and capitalizes and invests around those those facilities. I think it starts to fall apart. Government's not good at a lot of the social issues and trying to solve the problems of individual people. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Oklahoma City, we've tried to get the, the private sector through nonprofits to help us in those areas because I think they're, they're better aligned at, 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 at helping the social services side. So I think that's part of the reason that we've, we've stayed, you know, taxes have stayed low and we've stayed as efficient as we have. Uh, in terms of the future of cities and where we'll be living, how we'll be getting around, I mean, autonomous vehicles is an issue you've, you've talked a lot about. Uh, your thoughts on on how impactful that's going to be, how it's going to change cities in the future. You know, I, I think in a, in, a, in a few sentences, I think, first of all, that we, we view this world of, of total autonomy. And boy, that's a magical place. Yeah. The vehicles <laughs> are all talking to each other. Right. You know, you, you know, so you never stop. You know, the lights are all choreographed and everybody's moving around seamlessly. We're in the back watching television or playing that cards. Great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great world. The problem is going to be the, you know, the, 10 or 20 or who knows how many years of the integration 
Mm-hmm. That's going to be a very, you know, ugly scene. We know today, though, that, you know, a lot of people die in traffic accidents. Yeah. And autonomous vehicles will make it safer. It won't seem safer if you're out there driving your car. You know, you kind of, you, if there's a mistake, you kind of want it to be made by another person. <laughs> yeah. you, you're, and, and then you're going to have all the liability issues. When there's an accident, do you sue the guy sitting in the back seat? Do you sue the person that sold him the car? Or do you sue right. the software you know, person? You know, how's the liability going to going to work out. So there's a lot of issues. To I guess we got to sort that out, right? It's one of yeah. those things that's coming. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> within five years, you will see fleets of autonomous vehicles and perhaps going cross country, um, you know, on, on the interstate highway system because, you know, they can make and move freight 24-7, driver isn't needing to stop to, to rest. They're only stopping for fuel or however they're going to be powered. Yeah. So you'll see them in fleets here in the next few years. When you and I are in them on a daily basis, that remains to be seen. All right. Really interesting. Well, I know you'll be talking about that and much more. You'll be giving the keynote address this evening. The conference is called Shift. Uh, it kicks off tonight, runs through Saturday at the uh, St. Louis Hotel in the East Village. Mick Cornett, thank you so much for coming in here today. Really appreciate that. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks. There you go. That is Mick Cornett. He is the mayor of Oklahoma City. My name is Rob Breckenridge. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.